computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a... basketball? I was processing all of the information. Processing. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, a.k.a. Cranjus McBasketball. Tim, not a ton news coming out of Lakerland. We have a couple little things. Uh, but last time we talked, I told you, I told you, Rajon Rondo is happening. He hadn't even been bought out yet. Seemed like it was in the cards for Rajon Rondo to come back and fill that Jared Dudley role. Um, something that stood out to me, Tim, I don't have it in front of me exactly, but his quote talking about how he's probably going to play less than he wants to, that he understands where he's fitting into the depth chart, uh, that he wants to win. We've heard a lot of this talk from guys like Dwight Howard, Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Ariza, guys talking about sacrifice, uh, talking about, you know, doing whatever it takes to get to the promised land. So a little bit different of a narrative coming out. Then Dennis Schroeder, you know, guaranteeing himself as a starter. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit of a different vibe from those guys at the end of the roster. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on Rondo's back. We don't know if, uh, you know, we're going to get as much regular season Rondo, but playoff Rondo is an option. It is. We'll see. Uh, I just pulled up the boys are back in town lyrics, but I'll, I'll close that tab. I don't I don't think I want to sing. I don't think anyone wants to hear me sing on this podcast. Uh, yeah, man. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, great song. Um, I I mean, yeah, I'm I'm down. Give me Rondo. Like, let's do it. Why not? I, my concern would be like the, the only way this is bad is if he ends up getting like a larger role than we'd like him to get, and he plays over guys that we wish would play more, and that could happen. We'll see, but. The fact that he's coming into this with the attitude he has, same attitude Dwight has and some of these other guys, like that's a great sign. We'll have to see how it materializes. But with some of the dudes last year, it was like red flags from the start. And I am going into this season feeling a little bit better about it. Because like if he doesn't play it, like let's say he barely plays. Let's say he's in the Dudley role. That's great. Like he's as good a guy for your organization you can have in that kind of role as just about anyone in terms of the IQ and the off court stuff that he's going to bring and the fact that he's going to like bring it in practice and be pushing guys and holding people accountable while being someone that can like still get out there and play maybe not for this team big minutes but like he can play basketball he's not like on his it's not like he's about to retire like because he just can't play anymore like what he's saying will hold some weight with these dudes and they know him and the stars know him and I you know there might be little fights here and there in practice but I think it's going to contribute to a group that can be really competitive and push each other and and spark some in-season growth so from that standpoint that's one outcome is he doesn't play much other than like garbage time but like it's hard to hate on that because of what he'll bring off the court and like if someone gets injured great he's like he can go in there and play and he he brings he's the type of guy i love with these final roster spots because he has a clear skill set where if russ goes down or braun goes down boom, there's a playmaker. And, you know, he has his holes. All these guys have their their own holes. But that is a super differentiating skill set that is still, you know, towards the top of the league. 
and it's not like either you want upside or you want a guy with a clear skill set with these end of bench spots from like a winning basketball on court standpoint and he does that while at the same time providing that off-court value so at face value i i'm feeling this signing i I like that no, there's not a ton of guys, you know, maybe one in, in each roster. You got your Udonis Haslam, your vet who, you know, earned his money uh, with the franchise by through loyalty, through sacrifice in previous years. And maybe this isn't so much Rondo because he's only been with the team for a couple of years. But Rondo's the kind of guy who can help make players better when he's on the bench. You know, he sees something that yeah. defenses are doing to Russell Westbrook on the weak side while Anthony Davis posts up. He's going to go to those guys and they're going to listen and he's going to see it. You know what I mean? So that's very valuable to me. And I still expect him to be engaged um, like a coach, like a, a player um, trying to stay ready for when his number's called. But when he's not out there, I see him as a mentor coach for guys like Nunn, Monk, even a THT. You know, there's probably some relationship there. So I think to your point, the 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 worst part about this is if he gets too much run and he's not really, you know, performing up to those standards. Although Tim last year, you know, in limited time with Atlanta, he was hurt. Then he was kind of not playing a full, you know, complement of backup minutes. And then after getting traded to the Clippers, he still shot 40 percent from three. Uh, 39% on the pull-ups, catch and shoots, 38%. Now, these aren't huge samples. You know, some of these are, you know, under the 45 attempt kind of margin of, you know, this is a legit grade, but still good shooting. This isn't just like he had one good bubble run shooting. I mean, he did. It was even better than this, mm-hmm. but he is still shooting the ball well. And if you look at his playmaking data, A, A, 99th percentile, 96, 99, 82nd. He is still out there performing, playmaking, setting teammates up for better or worse. Defensive gambles, you know, just kind of not being in the right spot, uh, dribbling the air out of the ball. For better or worse, all those things are valuable when it's game 35 and, you know, it's Russ and you know, AD is just coming back from an injury from a week or two. And there's not a lot of uh, organization there on the offensive end. If somebody goes out to your point, I feel a lot better knowing Rajon Rondo's there than Quinn Cook. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's the locker room plus like score. Like he can, he can play and, and bring that off court, which is awesome. And in terms of like we hear his basketball IQ is so high and how I see that materializing is even if he's on the bench, he's, he's sitting there and the other team calls out, I don't know, 42 fist hammer, I don't know, whatever, Carolina, whatever they call their play. And something that he's been credited with and, and we can we can watch for it this year is him knowing the other team's playbook well enough. And like you're not going to know every single play, but this is something as a team you should be going over and, and saying, all right, here are their top five or ten plays. Here's how we want to defend them. The rest of the time we're going to play our base defense, but when they call this out, watch for whatever this is. Or we know we're going to switch this one thing, even though we usually won't. And I see him as someone that will immediately recognize that, be standing up, be pointing and say, hey, you know, Braun, watch for that back screen or, or something like that in a way where he can – quarterback the defense from the bench in a way that I think will be really value add. And when you have AD out there and he can help orchestrate things, that's really helpful. Braun does this a lot. But when you have that guy in Rondo as as another one of those 
conductors of the defense and he can do it from the bench or on the court, I think that adds a lot of tangible value in a way that will help a team that's defense is a little bit under question this year, but I'm I'm optimistic about. It. So I, I see that as being really helpful. And if he does end up playing, like that playmaking is legit. The volume's good. The, the quality's good. He's got good vision, good versatility with his passes, um, strong efficiency. Like we know he'll dribble the air out of the ball at times, but he's not turning the ball over with a, with a lot of his passes. So I, I see it as a good backup option in case the team isn't comfortable with Kendrick Nunn or Malik Monk suddenly needing to do more playmaking if Braun or uh, Russell Westbrook is out for any given game for whatever reason. Did you see the stuff this week on Twitter? Uh, Shouts to Harrison Fagan, who put it all together in an article about how the Grizzlies are basically subsidizing the Lakers roster. Did you see this? Fantastic stuff. So amazing. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I really have a take outside of it's hilarious. Mm -hmm. Um, We do know teams buy guys out it's in their financial interests right what they'll do and what rondo did is give back that 2.6 million he will recoup from this contract um he went out last year you know decided that yes i want to come back to the lakers but i also you know want to make this amount of money and we talked about if the lakers brought rondo back and i i think for a large portion of the offseason, we were with that, you know, him signing with, I think, early bird rights um, to giving him a little bit of a raise. And at that time, you know, Lakers hadn't traded for Dennis Schroeder. Um, once that came in, you know, they get hard capped. It becomes a lot harder of a in order to even though, you know, they didn't have a ton of guys up for free agency last year. But, you know, you don't want to bury yourselves with these middling contracts that you might have to get rid of and attach an asset to at later date. So that's exactly what happened to Rajon Rondo. You know, the, the Hawks thought, you know, we're a good team, but Rondo is not who we need at the backup one. And here Clippers, he, you know, I don't even remember what they traded him for um, because it was probably not a lot, you know, here, cheap. Yeah. take him. He has another year left on his deal. And then the Clippers turned around and said, all right, we're going to package you with Beverly and try to, quote unquote, upgrade to an Eric Bledsoe and consolidate a couple of these pieces, mm-hmm. find something that maybe works better with Kawhi out, you know, somebody who can score the ball a little bit better. We don't need a Rondo if he's not orchestrating around a Paul George and Marcus Morris, or Kawhi Leonard. So they've readjusted their uh, expectations, I think, for next year. And part of that was being willing to get rid of the Clippers. So in a lot of ways, this, you know, the Kawhi injury is the direct catalyst as to why Rajon Rondo is able to come back. And I'm sure that's probably obvious for a lot of people, but just wanted to, uh, you know, put it out there that you never want to hope for injuries. You know, basketball is more fun when Kawhi is playing basketball. But that's how these little ripples affect all kinds of roster spots, expectations for teams, um, willingness to spend. You know, I know the Clippers saved money in this deal and probably can talk themselves into how they upgraded their roster. Memphis saved money with this deal. They had mm-hmm. gotten a couple of two, three for ones in these recent trades with uh, Hernan Gomez and Culver. So there was no path to Rondo mentoring John Morant off the bench. I'm sure he can do it. I'm not saying uh, Ja didn't want that or Memphis didn't want that. It just didn't make sense for them. So in, you get cut. and <laughs> The only team he probably wants to go to for the minimum or that still has a spot where he would 
matter is the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I believe it was with Rondo. I heard that like he wasn't asked to come to team activities. They didn't do a physical with him. Like those are some signs that they have no intent to actually keep him. And, and we saw that play out. So great grab by the Lakers to pick him up. Uh, happy to have him. I think it's really interesting that he's coming off like career years, at least within our database that starts in 2013, when it comes to his like finishing talent and his perimeter shooting talent. I don't know how much credence I give those two things, given that the sample was fairly small and we know what his background looks like. So I'm not expecting him to suddenly be an elite three-point shooter, but if he's going to hit 40% of his threes, like yeah, this is, he's going to play like that. That's, that's useful. For if he's sure. got the playmaking he does, the the finishing, the, he's going to get to the rim. He's going to finish at the rim. If he's knocking threes down, like that's a helpful basketball player. So there's upside with this, even, you know, within what we normally expect from Rondo. But even if not, it's still, it's still a good signing. I think the, the path to downside here is we see some of what we saw from Vogel a couple of years ago where he plays Rondo over like a Caruso or over KCP or some of these guys that like we think should have been playing instead of Rondo. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see how this team sorts it out. But if, as long as he's playing well, I'm not complaining a bunch. One thing I am worried about, and one thing that I think is under the radar, is defensively I see him as a tougher fit. And the reason for that is when we look at where he's stronger and weaker, he is not a good on-ball defender anymore. And we've seen for the past couple of years teams really do what they can to, to put him off-ball, kind of hide him. Uh, either in the helper role or a chaser role. I think he'd probably be a chaser given his his physical stature and, and where he is in different parts of his game. So as long as he's not being a point of attack defender, I think defensively he can work. When he was with the Lakers, he was hidden on defense. He was in that helper role. He had the lowest matchup difficulty of any guard in the roster. He was guarding twos more than ones. But remember, the Lakers were letting KCP and Avery Bradley take on the point of attack. This year, we don't really have those dudes. And if I'm thinking about like, all right, if he's our backup, we'll say backup point guard, I guess. In a path where he does play, we'll say Russ starts, Rondo's backup point guard. He's playing alongside maybe Kendrick Nunn or maybe Malik Monk or maybe Wayne Ellington. Any of those guys, I also don't want at the point of attack all that much. So... If it's THT, I can see THT going to the POA, and I'm happy with that. If it's Bazemore, Bazemore can do that. So just which backcourt combos he is a part of when he does play, it's not impossible. There are good options available. You just have to find a way to make it work well. Well, let's do it real quick. We're going to see him. Okay. Let's do it. Let's let's just talk through a Rondo, you know, led uh, or just a Rondo featured second unit for this coming season so mm-hmm. what do we know about the last couple seasons we saw him we saw him quite a bit with lebron right can yeah. all things considered you'd think he wouldn't be on the court with lebron he'd kind of take over that role um but i do feel like we did see him quite a bit with lebron so whether or not it's lebron or not let's set that aside i do think tht makes the most sense um gets the ball out of THT's hands a little bit, maybe able to set him up. And I worry about the shooting. If Rondo's right. shooting isn't legit, I worry about that backcourt shooting. So that's the, like, THT defensively works. Offensively, 
you're not making the best of either guy and the shooting is a concern. So that and, one. Uh, right. And recently uh, there's reports that said Anthony Davis wasn't happy with how Schroeder got him the ball in the post or when he got him just wasn't happy with his passing. Um, mm. You know, also mentioning another silver screen and roll piece. They've been doing great work this off season. Go read them if you want uh, or can. And so him talking about that and, and him playing with Rondo in New Orleans and and them having that chemistry. I wouldn't be surprised if there's an AD in here to help kind of AD at the five. You know, let's build an AD at the five Rondo lineup with who else LeBron do you fit well? in whether if you want or not. You know, this is obviously I don't think Russ and Rondo fit together mm. at no, all. No, so yeah. they should never share the court together. So let's put that aside. OK. Rondo and let's say none. Give me Bazemore. Okay. Oh, no, okay. I so I prefer I think I'd prefer Bazemore because I trust his point of attack defense a little bit more than Nuns. Okay. Offensively, I think either works. But I'll say I I, I so I think either works. I'm gonna say we go Rondo, Bazemore, and then defensively you flip the positions. Mm-hmm. We'll have eighty at the five. We'll say hmm. I mean, you go Mello or Ariza at the four. And then if LeBron's not playing, maybe Ariza at the three. Or maybe we need THT to play it up. Might, or Maybe Bays. Like I say, yeah. it might be Rondo, Nunn, Bays, Mello, AD. Rondo, Nunn, Bays, Mello, AD. Plug that into your lineup and tell me what it says. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. No, I don't know. I don't know. There's concerns with that lineup, of course. Defensively, having Melo uh, and and Rondo out there with none being a little bit undersized. Baysmore Mm -hmm. playing up to the three. Um, Definitely an interesting spacing lineup, at least. Yeah, I think putting Ariza in for Melo helps you out defensively in, in terms of having another good rotator in there. All right, so I, I pulled up our lineup creator to let people on next. <laughs> We're going to go, let's, let's just see what happens. Let's, let's see what, what it happens. says. Rajon Rondo, Rajon Rondo, Rajon Rondo. We should know this. We? He play, he, we, we played a you, season for a... You! Is it... It's, it's Rajon? My apologies. Yes. Did you see what... Did you... Goodness. Did you see the I'm little clip this of him in. explaining where his name came from? <laughs> he, they asked him. He's no. like, oh, my mom just made some shit up. <laughs> 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 All right, so we got Rondo. That's funny. None. Base more. Uh, let's, we'll, we'll try Ariza first and then AD. So that lineup, from a spacing standpoint, 77th percentile. None. Is doing good there. Okay. Bazemore's doing well there. Ariza's all right. And then AD and Rondo are almost similar spacing. Uh, from a getting to the rim right. standpoint, you're really t- top loaded with Rondo and none. Now, if AD can get back to his old self, he'll be better here as well. But given last year's numbers, this is a 42nd percentile getting to the rim for this lineup, which is okay. You just want to make sure that the the guys who do need to get there are going to have good spacing to get there. And then I, I feel okay. You don't need all five dudes to be able to you know, attack the rim from a finishing at the rim standpoint, 81st percentile. And I mean, Rondo's Rondo had a good year. None's good. Bazemore's above average. AD's good. Ariza's very poor. So his like second percentile rating brings everybody down a bit, but it's 
Yeah. Mellow is too, but I yeah, think he's better than Mellow in for a second. So Mellow has better spacing substantially, similar getting to the rim. His finishing is also poor, but it's like 10th percentile instead of 2nd percentile. So offensively, mm-hmm. Mellow would be an upgrade over Ariza with this group. Defensively, Ariza would be better. So it's just about finding balance there. And then when it comes to playmaking, uh, 72nd percentile because Rondo's a real playmaker. None shows up well here. Baseboard really not as much, but like he can be a ball mover. Ariza's not really much of a playmaker. And then AD can be at times. He, he's in the 68th percentile. So 72nd percentile overall for this group. So I like it. I think it could work. Defensive. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is what I'm thinking, right? This is a kind of lineup against the team with a guard scorer uh, star who leads a second unit. So, you know, it's it's enough defense, perimeter defense, you know, some IQ in there with a couple of weak points. But you can hope to outscore them and you have a shot at not containing them, but keeping it within reason as far as the output. You know, put a, somebody who's for Bays to guard out there, um, have none chase, you know, Rondo chase guys around and. You have AD just praying at the back end, playing free safety, you know, trying yeah. to win defensive player of the year, as he also recently said. Yep. Yeah. AD, AD will be there to stop whatever the initial attack is. Ariza's going to be there to rotate down and, and cover AD's guy. And then, yeah, I could, see, I could see it working out. I, yeah. So in this group, would you say Bazemore is going to go take that score, no matter if they're the one, two, or three? I think he, I mean, it depends. Maybe it's Ariza too, because he can, okay. you know what I mean? Depending on the three these days, uh, they, they can <laughs> look a little different. Like if it's Jason Tatum, I obviously want more size uh, yeah. on that guy. But if it's, That's true. you know, I don't know. I don't know. Somebody like Zach Levine is going to play some three this year. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Bayes can, can go toe to toe with Levine. Okay. Well enough, yeah. I guess, for that yeah. lineup. Within this lineup, yeah, he, he'd he be that guy and he'd be a better option over Ariza. If you're facing a Tatum at the three group and you put Ariza on him, now you've got Rondo, Nunn, and Bazemore to cover a point guard, a shooting guard, and a power forward. So that, yeah. it, it, maybe you're subbing out one of these guards and putting in another bigger body, but I, I can see times where this would make sense. I think especially if the score is like a, a smaller player that we feel comfortable with Bazemore taking on and then between Rondo and Nunn, you've got a chaser and then somebody who can just kind of rotate and, and help off ball. I mean, yeah, a lot of these lineups are starting to be smaller across the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I said, this is like Booker with the second unit while Paul and Aiton sit with uh, mm-hmm. Sarich or, you know, I don't know their rotation in and out, but something, something to that effect. You know, some mm-hmm. decent scoring, but it comes from usually one or two guys uh, with space and you have enough back end rotation in AD, hopefully to kind of mitigate some of those drives to the rim. Um, and then, you know, there's some IQ there, like I said, with Rondo and Ariza as a helper. But I think mm-hmm. the way you get in, you know, worried, I this is a tough word is, you know, where to fit none in as well. Um, and Rondo. So mm-hmm. maybe, and just to talk a couple of these lineups, we've been talking lineups for a couple of weeks now, but now Rondo's in the mix. I just want to throw, you know, some other stuff out there. Let's yeah. scrap it, start a new one. Okay. We have okay. Rondo at the one, THT at the two, 
Um, let's go from there. What else are you looking for as far as on the back end? Is this a Dwight, you know, second quarter lineup that let's see what happens. Let's see what happens if we put, let's say Dwight, uh, what if we do mellow for some spacing Mm. and Ellington LeBron or LeBron. Yeah, let's do LeBron. So we've got Rondo, THT, LeBron, Mello, Howard. Defensively, yeah. you flip Rondo and THT's roles. THT's point of attack, Rondo chaser, Bron helper, Mello perimeter big, Dwight as your anchor big, and mm. your spacing is bad. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. The, the spacing is not good. Um, and to the point where like you can't Wait, wait, what's that get to the rim rating though? Getting to the rim, 98th percentile. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... So so there's that. Um, but the thing about that is if there's no spacing, it's going to be harder to actually get to the rim. And th- so those two things kind of play together. Uh, um, yeah, so 30, 3rd and a half percentile spacing, 90th percentile getting to the rim, 70th percentile finishing at the rim, 63rd percentile playmaking. And defensively, I don't hate I, – I think this this group could work defensively. I don't hate it. I didn't – this is – okay – I take it back. I'm going to hate it. <laughs> but I don't want this group to play. No, no. I don't want this group to play. I like thinking through it. I think in theory there's some things, the right kind of coaching and, and style, I guess, on offense that can work about it. There's I don't know. A lot of a lot of basketball intelligence and timing and and all mm-hmm. that on the floor. Veteran, you know, this is basically like the 2020 12 All Stars plus THT. <laughs> like Yeah. So, yep. so there's some to the me where the like, future all-stars. How, yeah. How do we get that whole 2012 all-star team on the court in different iterations to dunk on people and run them up and down the court? <laughs> because that's uh-huh. what they're trolling us on to NBA Twitter for, mm-hmm. you know, being 10 years too late on some of these guys. Um, I don't, I don't blame them. I mean, Hey, if you're going to get shots off, do it, do it before the Lakers start winning games. Amen. You know, now's your, now's your chance. I will say with this group, if you replace Rondo with Kendrick Nunn, you're spacing more than like doubles from a percentile <laughs> standpoint. You're almost at 70th percentile yeah. spacing instead of 34th. So that's where if I'm the Lakers coaching staff and I'm looking at like how am I building these lineups out, does what Rondo gives you as a primary creator justify taking the ball out of LeBron's hands a bit and justify the spacing that you're going to have to deal with? So, and I I wonder if like can you play three players between Rondo, Russ, THT, Dwight, yeah, I'll say those guys. Can you play more than two of them together at the same time? Right. Tim, really quick, can you break down for us? Because I, you know, I mentioned at the top kind of how Rondo is still shooting the ball well. Yet when you mm-hmm. plug him into these, you know, uh, the spacing doesn't seem to really change all that much. Can you explain for the listeners how those two things can both be true? Yeah, so from a spacing standpoint, the way that we look at it is with the players, uh, like, off-ball, catch-and-shoot set up by another player kind of spacing. So we immediately take out any of his, like, self-created stuff, and we say, all right, as an off-ball guy, how are you doing? And his percentages weren't bad this year. The volume, though, is so low, especially even relative to the minutes he played. This isn't just because he didn't play all that much. Right. Um, the, the rate at which he's shooting is so low. And if we were to go look at the film, I bet we'd find chances. We'd find times where he gets past the ball and just doesn't shoot the shot. Mm-hmm. Um, that 
impacts what his gravity ends up being as a perimeter shooter and results in him having a relatively low 46th percentile spacing number, even though from a shot making standpoint overall, he's not bad. Um, really that volume matters. That volume is really important. Right. So yeah, I just wanted to point out to the people who are kind of wondering like, wait, I thought Rondo shot the ball pretty well. Yes. But as far as gravity is the word there, Tim, you know, pulling Mm -hmm. defenders to you and away from the rest of the play, he's still not there. People are still disrespecting his shot. Maybe that's helped him improve his three point shooting, knowing he's more open than a lot of players because he just hasn't gotten that respect yet uh despite good you know raw numbers uh the volume matters how much you do it matters and if it's a once in a blue moon thing teams aren't gonna say we can't let this happen five times in a quarter because it's just never going to yeah yeah i think that's spot on it's like you can shoot a great percentage but if you don't shoot often why would we guard you right and I don't so, see that changing for him. I think he's just not looking to shoot right away unless certain conditions are met. That's a very methodical way of how he plays. Yeah, and and another thing is he took 89 shots. If he would have missed a couple more, his percentage isn't 40%. Like if he, he shot 36 for 89, if we say he shot 32 for 89, he's a 36% three-point shooter, and we're not okay. – well, let's think about it this and way, if he Tim, makes a couple because more. he was even better in the bubble. So what was the last season that he was a below average three-point shooter? And I bet it's like three seasons. It, well, in 2019-2020 for the full season with the Lakers, he shot 32.8%. Okay. But in the playoffs, he, in a 16-game sample, shot 20 for 50, so 40%. Yeah, I mean – that's that's definitely within the small sample and a couple mix maces and makes, you know, shifts things 10 percent either way. It's basketball. And yeah, it's OK. Like and the thing is, like, hell, yeah, shoot 40 percent. Like, I love it. Like, we're going to take that same thing with 80 shooting in the bubble. Like that helps you win a title that matters. And over the course of a season, if you pick out a random 16 game Rajon Rondo sample, there will be times he shoots 40 percent and there will be times he shoots 20 percent. And, and that's just part of the fluctuation you get when the variance is high from taking shots that are so far away from the rim. Um, so that's that's the type of thing that, like, it's tricky if you were ever trying to slice and dice portions of a player season and say, oh, well, this month he shot 40% when over the course of the year he was 33 overall or something like that. It's, it's, it's basketball. You can't, it's not predictive. Yeah. No. It's, there will be blips. You, you don't get great sleep some, like, some days. Yeah. Your, your wife had a baby. You're like, or you feel like you're on fire for a couple weeks and you feel like the, yeah. the rim's uh, 10 feet wide. Anyway, exactly. It's, I just want to, I'm not trying to say he is full stop, a good three-point shooter. The volume's mm-hmm. not quite there. He has gotten his three-point game to the point where it doesn't hurt you. And guys mm-hmm. will leave him open, and he will shoot those wide-open shots with the shot clock expiring. And 40% of the time, he makes them. And that is about where you want his three-point um, effort put toward, bailing them out, not taking a shot with 14 seconds left on the shot clock, Mm-hmm. And the ball will stop in his hands if it does. If he's yep. open at that three, he's going to look for something else. And for mm-hmm. better or worse, that's just the kind of player he is. And I think that helps the Lakers' second unit offense at times, depending on who's available. 
or who's not. But yep. Tim, let's move on. Uh, we're going to take a little break here. And after the break, we're going to talk about some reports that the Lakers could be interested in DeAndre Jordan coming up after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, and we are back here on the Lakers Exceptionalism pod to talk about DeAndre Jordan, question mark. Um, it's that time where, you know, all players still somewhat on the bubble of a roster are linked to the Lakers, um, for better or worse. You know, we did see the Nets recently sign Paul Millsap, so he is officially off of off of the table. Uh, looks like LaMarcus Aldridge will probably go there as well. So, yeah, DeAndre Jordan kind of getting squeezed out by the emergence of Nick Claxton and... Probably financial reasons, too. He's making a lot of money. So if the Nets can buy him out and save a couple mil, you know, probably wouldn't hurt them either. But, Tim, I can't say I saw DeAndre Jordan play too much basketball last season. Um, is there anything in his data here that stands out to you? or Like, break break him down for us as uh, as who he was for as a player last year. Sure. So he is a... Slower-footed, anchor big defensively that's going to block shots, defend the rim, play drop coverage. He's not a guy you switch with. He's not the most mobile defender uh, offensively. Roll and cut, cut big. He's your your garbage man dump-off guy, and he is a strong finisher. He's he's not a go-dump-the-ball-down-to-him-in-the-post-and-have-him-put-a-move-on-somebody, like put a move on somebody, but he is going to 
from a whether it's a roll or a dump off, he's going to put the ball through the rim at a really high rate. Uh, he's going to draw a lot of contact. Um, he's going to finish through contact well. No, really no perimeter shooting, no playmaking, no no post game. You really have to worry about nothing like that. But when he, when it comes to his rebounding, he's also somebody that can help you out on both ends of the court as an offensive and defensive rebounder. Um, and as a shot blocker, he's not elite at this point anymore, but he's still good for a big man. He's still good. And I mean, he's, he's, I think kind of as advertised, one thing I'd shout out with him is like, when I looked at the film of him finishing, when he was like rolling and he'd catch the ball a couple I don't know, we'll say the middle of the paint takes one dribble, takes his, his one step, almost jumps off of two feet and then finishes at the rim. It was very strong and he was like often like raising his feet. He's doing his chin ups and all that stuff. Um, when he was trying to catch lobs, he does not have the same kind of lift he used to. He's not a like springy, stationary, just like I'm. You throw it up. I'm gonna jump and go get it, guy. Anymore. He can still finish lobs, but he's like a rung above Andre Drummond more than he is anywhere close to like a Damian Jones or Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee kind of guy. So really good finisher. A little bit limited due to his age in terms of his his catch radius in a way. Yeah, I think that goes for some pick and roll defense as well. Obviously, he's probably a primarily a drop coverage big who's going to do what we saw Dwight do with, you know, he's going to contest a lot at the rim. He's going to block a lot at the rim and you funnel uh, ball handlers toward him. Good things can happen. I can't even imagine, too, what Anthony Davis on the weak side could look like if DeAndre Jordan were to come and maybe start. Um, I think for better or worse, uh, he's one of those guys who could provide above minimum value on his contract being another Dwight Howard. Mm -hmm. We obviously know what his skill set looks like in this type of team's concept. I think Dwight's probably a little bit better with his timing. And I think kind of, uh, I don't know, those savvy vet just kind of get into guys and be really physical and annoying. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think DeAndre Jordan's ever he's he'll throw his body around a little bit. But when he had that lift, he would just go over you. Right. Yep. That was kind of his preference. Um, and now that that's not there, he's still valuable in a, uh, a drop big having and he would be JaVale right he would be JaVale on this team where JaVale and Dwight did a lot of the same things in slightly different ways but when they're bigger than you night in night out the Lakers just beat you down with the JaVale Dwight one two at the five and then when AD had those minutes at five it was a really really significant gear shift um, as far as how the team played, how, you know, fast they can play, how much more mobile they can be on defense. So I'm weirdly for it. Um, I didn't think I would be to me. It's a strength on strength argument, bringing in an extra pitcher when your bullpen's really good rest before the playoffs, because why not? Like that is what we're good at. Let's have another option to be good at that in case the guy that's really good at that is struggling or is hurt or so, you know, I understand it would cost the Lakers quite a bit as far as luxury tax, but I don't hate it uh, because Tim, look at the other guys we talked about 
that are available at the center position. Do you want to bring back Bogey? Would you have rather Bogey or DeAndre Jordan? It depends what is happening with Marcus All. If, oh, if Mark's gone, both of these situations, he's gone. Okay. If Mark's gone, I would rather have another spacing big just so I have another look rather than only being able to throw out there the strong finisher type of guy. Right. I hear you there. And that is a concern. But who is that guy right now? Is it DeMarcus Cousins? Yeah, is it Harry it's, Giles? No. Is it, uh, you know, Aaron Baines, Luke Cornett? No. But it's Boogie. Boogie's the only one that that I'd feel okay about. Okay. And you feel okay like he cannot. Okay, so it's one thing to have that shooting option. But if that shooting option can be played off the court in other ways, right? It's not as viable. Is there even a viable path to Boogie playing crunch time minutes? I don't think there needs to be. I don't don't think if AD is not playing center you throw him out there with Dwight. If if Dwight's not, like if you're not having that strong shot blocker to to partner with AD, just have AD play the center. So right. but I, I, guess, I yeah. see Boogie as like, I don't think there's a, a great path to him getting real playoff minutes or playing crunch time, closing game minutes. I think he can be a regular season innings eater the same way JaVale McGee was, but provide a shooting, spacing look that... If if you remove Mark and we don't sign Bogey and just add DeAndre Jordan, you don't have those guys at the center position. And that if you ever have any AD plus Dwight or DeAndre Jordan overlap, that is a clunkier fit, especially when you have Russell Westbrook, Rajon Rondo, and Taylor Horton Tucker as backcourt options as well. So the way I think about it is it's just kind of like philosophy. And I guess, you know, like I said, I like to build strengths on strengths. To me, a regular season innings eater isn't as valuable as somebody in this playoff scenario where Dwight starts on Nikola Jokic and gets three fouls in three minutes, mm-hmm. right? We we know there's some situation where that will happen. To have DeAndre Jordan enter instead of completely changing your rotation, like, you know, top to bottom, oh, AD's at the five. Not to say it's not going to work. It's just having that option of playing extra big and having teams adjust up to you instead of you coming down to them is part of how the Lakers combine those two to win a championship in the bubble, I think. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're just bigger than you, um, Houston. There's nothing you can do about it. You traded away all your big guys, right? So we're going to, you know, keep that up. We use that. But you had the versatility to slide AD at the five. If this, I don't know, I guess just Jokic having a- that backup. Yeah. That Jokic backup and Embiid guy. are the two guys. Those are the two play one in the West, one in the East. Those are the only two guys that I'm really worried about in that respect. But I get it. Is a, has if, DeAndre if Aiden entered that yet? No, not as a post player. He's, he's, he's a strong finisher. He's not somebody that I'm, and I don't think Phoenix would say, oh, you've got Anthony Davis on DeAndre Ayton. Time to go post about, up a bunch. Like, I mean, obviously not on offense, but what about just having a body for Rudy Gobert? I, I, it's not my primary concern. 
I think I just don't think Rudy the Gobert pick and pop having, like five is going to make that big of a difference in a playoff setting. Like just because they won't go to it frequently. Does that make sense? It's not that it's not useful. It's just thinking in terms of the usage. It's just not going to be there. The pick and pops. Yeah. Well, like th- that's not going to be a go to play. I feel like. Why not? Because that's not how the Lakers run their offense. <laughs> wait, wait, if they have a pop guy, they better pop him instead of roll him. I, I mean, know, obviously, so, but those guys are very valuable and not just readily available. Pick and pop players? Yeah. Or pick and pop bigs who can stay on the court in playoffs? So yeah, that's but, what okay. I'm talking about. If you're I'm talking playoffs. Utah, put AD at the five. There you go. Okay, AD gets three fouls in the, in the first quarter. Oh, what happens? Come on. This happens, in. Tim. He's gonna play till he fouls out. No, that's that's your pipe dream. That's not how that's real dream. coaches do things. <sighs> Tom, I am a real coach now. Um, I know. No, no, I, see, I know. I see what you mean. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you on that. By the way, I that's the dumbest thing ever. But the foul. Well, that's another foul day. Your own players out. Yeah. yeah. No, you're day. right though. You're right. In this scenario where. We don't trust DeMarcus Cousins. So what about Boogie's defense, don't we? How is he getting played off the court? If we're going to run drop coverage with him. He's not good enough in drop, and we don't have the chasers behind him. I think we have some good chasers. We don't have any great chasers. We don't have chasers that we... If we have Alex Caruso and KCP, I feel a lot better about it. (sighs) Yeah. If we even just have Alex Caruso... (laughs) But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I so I agree with you. You're you're swaying me. If we went with Boogie and your big man rotation is only Boogie, Dwight, AD, which is still like that's already a, a short group of guys. Like right. I would love to be able to have an additional. Like if we could keep yeah. Mark and sign DeAndre Jordan, I'm thrilled. Or if you got like a Jeff Green who's like could play four or five in a small mm-hmm. ball scenario. Lady's the small ball five. And there's two bigs and there's no, you know what I mean? That's, that's your quote unquote versatility. So you're either playing big or you're playing AD and that's mm-hmm. all. There's no Trevor Reese at the five lineup. I don't see on this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I will say in DeMarcus's cousin, DeMarcus Cousins' defense, he was a 97th percentile drop big this past year per B-ball index. Fantastic. Who does he play for? The Clippers, I believe. Right? That's who he played for last. Yeah, yeah. Well, he currently plays for nobody. <laughs> oh, gotcha. You can say that about percent of this roster, Tom. I'm not accepting that as a valid so, argument. No, I'm just saying. So, you know, Udonis Haslam is an NBA contract. Yeah. DeMarcus no, so, Cousins okay, does on, not. You've really built out what it could look like if... So having that strength on a strength, if somebody's if Dwight's injured or Dwight's in foul trouble, you have another one of him <laughs> to put in there. The pitch for having a spacing big, whether it's Mark or Boogie, would be that Russell Westbrook in his career as a pick-and-roll player has been way more effective with pick-and-pop guys than pick-and-roll guys. And if we want to see the best version of Russell Westbrook, I think you need to have a pick-and-pop guy as an option. If he only has roll dudes, he's. I mean, he will find them. There, there will be dunks. There will be dump offs. There will be lobs. It's just not the rate of success won't be where it could be, and and that's due to especially in the playoffs. Especially in the playoffs, when defenses are going to go right. under his screens like ninety percent of the time instead of like forty percent of the time in the regular season because they're playing some vanilla game plan. So, in order for Russ to succeed in the playoffs, and if we look at his playoff pick and roll efficiency versus his regular season pick and roll efficiency, 
it always drops because teams always start being smarter about coverages. And the only way to really combat that as the offensive team, it's not like you can't really do anything about that if you only have to whiten DeAndre Jordan and AD. If you have a pop guy, you can pull that big man away and either you're getting open threes left and right or you're able to allow Russ to only have to beat one defender to get to the rim. And I think that helps make him better. And the other piece of this is having a spacing guy to play with AD if AD is playing any power forward allows him to be an interior player. He can be in the dunker spot. He can keep posting up. He can be isolating and driving. Other players can be isolating and driving. And you don't have more than one big dude trying to occupy interior space. And if you do have two bigs on the court, AD's more of a shooter than than DeAndre Jordan or Dwight. So in more instances than not, he's going to be the one going and standing in the corner. And AD, as a jump shooter, as a spot-up guy, isn't how I want to use AD. So I think having a spacing option, even if they're equal or lesser talent to the roll-and-cut kind of guy, they help enable... Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Russell Westbrook to be superstars. And I, my approach is offensively, we want our superstars to be able to play like superstars, and we don't want to ha- like add any extra obstacles for them based on our own roster construction in order for them to get there. Yeah, I'm trust me, I would prefer Marcus All to stay on this team. I think he, from the reports out there, that's Mark Stein again. That it is more on do the Lakers want Mark back mm-hmm. than does Mark want to be back with the Lakers at this time. We don't have enough information to know, of course, for sure. Um, obviously, they're looking at their options through the guy like DeAndre Jordan. And I think there's an argument to be made that uh, I that I laid out that building that strength, having that other yeah. guy to back up Dwight in case of emergencies, that who is a carbon copy yeah. of the player he, you know, Dwight is basically in a lot of ways makes it understandable for what he's expected to do. They can run the same scheme when either of them are in there. And it just builds on that big physical identity that they built when they became champions. Yeah, no, I, I think there's a case for both sides. I'm not 100% one way or the other. And I think right. you've made a, you've made a, a great argument for, for why that approach makes a lot of sense. I, one thing I would consider is like, if it truly is for the emergency situations, how about we, we, the Lakers go target like an Isaiah Hartenstein or somebody who's unsigned has, will have no expectation of playing. But if we need a deep bench guy to just come in and be a big body, they can come in and be a big body. And he's been a good rim protector. He's a decent drop big. He doesn't finish it well at the rim. He's not a shooter, but like he as an emergency option that go, go grab a deep bench guy rather than, if Mark leaves and we're grabbing another center, that guy's going to play like a decent bit of minutes. So it's not, I, I think if, if the worry is the emergency route, go grab an emergency, like deeper bench backup. I, uh, okay. All right. Be real for you. You don't want a mole from the nets. You don't want a guy. I mean, like, yeah, What's he Kyrie, tell us? Kyrie hates when the, the pregame, you know, court temperature is under 65. <laughs> You know, it really messes all their with plays, him. all their yeah. isolation yes, plays. Exactly. No. All right. So he's a mole for one, Tim. 
Or two, it's another team paying the Lakers. It's a lot easier to know you're getting no minutes when one team's giving you two and a half million and the other team's giving you seven and a half just to not be there. Okay, put that aside. Okay. Well, and if he doesn't play, 80 is playing full-time five. Right. Right? It, like if, if DeAndre Jordan's not in the actual rotation or he's only playing a couple minutes a game, the White's playing decent minutes and he's, he's getting older, he's getting up there, and, and AD's playing a lot of center. And if that's the case, there is a domino effect where, all right, if all of AD's power forward minutes are vacated, Ariza's playing, he, I think he'll already play a lot of power forward, but he's going to be a pure power forward. LeBron's going to play more power forward than he yeah. otherwise would have. Um, and then if that's the case, you start needing, due to the lack of wing depth on this team, you start yep. needing THT or Ellington or Bazemore, these guys to be playing a lot of your uh, small forward minutes, yep. which against a lot of teams could be okay. In a playoff setting, I, I would worry if like we're out there with three guard lineups trying to guard a Kawhi Leonard or a Paul George or, or some of these bigger bigger wing kind of guys with with guards out there. So that's just there's a if AD does play the five, I think he'll be more versatile. He'll have a better play, defensive player of the year campaign. But given the roster construction, I worry about several slots up in the rotation. What that ends up meaning for your for your three position. Not no, to say it absolutely. can't work, but that that would be where the concern is, and that's what the team would have to figure out. Yeah, I mean, I'm you know still wondering yeah. if Wes Matthews is going to find himself a team. Um, you know, there's he been would fit s- that well. James he Ennis? would fit that well. You know, James Ennis. Maybe, yeah, I don't know, throw some darts. Frank Nitalikina. You know, that's. I mean, if if the Lakers do make a signing to address that wing depth, I feel I feel pretty confident with those eighty at the five like full time minutes. Yeah, because then I'm then I then I feel a good bit better. One thing I'm worried about with THT is if THT ends up playing more three than one or two, if he's needing to be like a wing stopper on ball guy, I feel okay. But if he's needing to be like a helper, which is how that role is usually used for the Lakers, if you're not guarding an on ball Kawhi or somebody, he, that's putting him into what he's worst at. That's asking him to rotate constantly, and that's currently the weakest area of his defense. Well, and he's so slimmed it, down a little bit too. Mm-hmm. he's slimmed yeah. down so he just doesn't have that kind of you know i'm not gonna say he's not as strong but he doesn't have that that Heft. that weight yes behind him to stay in front of maybe a three uh-huh um but you know we'll see i'm tht is one of the more kind of interesting pivot points because we know he's gonna get minutes we mm-hmm. know he's gonna have a major role on this team we just don't know yet how that'll manifest so it's yeah. going to be interesting to watch, man. Lots of stuff to talk about before the season. Um, you want to hit people with how they can get into our Discord and what you're doing over there right now? Yeah, so uh, we have the Patreon set back up. So it's patreon.com slash Uh What other options do we have at this point in time? It's kind of fluctuated a bit. Uh, I guess they can uh, DM me a, or you a five-star review of the podcast on like Apple Podcasts or iTunes, and we'll get you in there and then... Within that Discord, it's just conversation every day. We, we've got a general chat. We've got uh, a number of under, <laughs> undercover operations and, and shenanigans and all sorts of things going on. Um, we're working the free agents, uh, talking to the coaches, um, all sorts of interesting things. We'll do we do film reviews in there. I'll share data. Um, it's I don't know. It's a fun group. It's a, it's been a really cool community, and I'm excited to see how that evolves as we're getting back into games and like, what is, what does game day look like for us? And, and how are we, you know, as a, as a group, as a collective whole 
consuming all of that together. And it's it's a fun place to be. It's it's at this point more fun for me than Twitter where a big portion of my following is Lakers people, but then you have a bunch of other folks who just want to like shit talk the Lakers left and right. Um, <laughs> so it's more real dialogue and less just arguing. Uh, but we will get into some like heated debates at times. So it's it's a good place to to I don't know learn the game more. It's like the the most intelligent fans I've ever ever interacted with are are over in there, and we have a lot of fun. So definitely join that community, and can't wait to chat with you over there. Whereas on Twitter, I get to my notifications like every other day at this point. Yeah, yeah, like you said, hit us up with a five star review of your podcast listener of choice. Um, we'll get you that link in there. We're usually pretty quick about it. But uh, yeah, until next time, Tim, talk to you later. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.